I don't think I really realize how important the coffee shop is to a local area mm. and how important that is to the thread of the community and the well-being of the community. That's a huge responsibility to have and a huge honor. I think variety is also really important mm. for your regular customers because you want to have something to talk to them about. The number one question people I meet, friends and family always ask me is, are you opening more shops or when are you opening more shops? Welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. Have you ever walked into a cafe and felt like you've just entered a second home? A place where the barista knows your name, your regular coffee order, and asks how your Sunday family picnic went. This is the magic of the little local cafe, often the inspiration of most people who decide to open a coffee shop. These budding entrepreneurs yearn to create a space that brings joy to the surrounding community while affording them and their staff a sustainable living. Today, we'll be speaking with three successful independent coffee shop owners who have made a big impact within their local communities. Peter Dorr Smith of Caffeine, Kim Hargraves of Bocky Coffee, and Danny Reed and Agnes Potter of Potter and Reed. In this episode, we discover what it takes to build a loyal local following, the critical role that cafes play within their communities, and why some have chosen not to expand rapidly. And we start by speaking with Peter Dorr Smith, founder of Caffeine. Hailing from Melbourne, Peter first came to London with his wife in 2005. Four years later, and following his passion for coffee and hospitality, he opened Caffeine on Great Titchfield Street, one of London's early specialty coffee venues. It has since become a must-visit coffee spot on the list of every London coffee enthusiast. Peter chose to open on a quiet street in Fitzrovia, an inner-city location with a mixture of tourists, creative businesses, celebrity homes, and low-income council housing. And then, a few years later, he opened a second caffeine on East Castle Street, a brisk five-minute walk down the road from his first location. Now, let's hear from Peter how he created one of the best neighborhood coffee shops in Europe. Welcome, Peter. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. It's an honor to be here. You once told me that you'd rather have one gold mine than 10 holes in the ground. That's right. And you've now got two outlets, whether yep. they're gold mines or holes in the ground. I'll let you to decide. Okay. But they are beautiful cafes and they're, they're extremely well regarded across the world. Tell us about why you've kind of stopped, at least for now, on two rather than taking that formula and going beyond that. 2009, we didn't know what we were doing, really. We didn't really know, is this going to work? I thought it would work because I worked in Australia and New Zealand. I knew there were coffee shops there, so surely it's going to work over here, but we didn't really know. Another part of the story is when I signed with the architects and paid a deposit in around May or June of 2009, we found out we were pregnant with our first child. Mm -hmm. And I said to my wife, right, I haven't signed the lease yet. All I've done is pay the architects. Shall I stay in my job or should we go ahead? She said, go ahead. So then Layla was born in January of 2010. I remember you coming in, Jeffrey, and saying, this shop's amazing. You could have 50 of these. Yeah. And I think that's when I said, I'd rather have a gold mine than 10 holes in the ground. But you predicted that, which is very nice. But in January of 2010, 
I had 1,500 pounds left in my bank account and I'm not financially backed. My wife has her own job. So from then it was effectively build the business up, build the business up, reinvest in the business because it certainly wasn't perfect Mm -hmm. when we first opened and money started coming in. 2011, 12, 13 were huge years. Mm-hmm. And then we found out that we were having our second child. Mm. And I said, right, I'm not going to open any more shops now until I know that my wife and my family are safe and secure mm. and happy. And I could have opened more, but I was like, no, nah, I'm going to focus on the family. Mm-hmm. When Layla was born, I had a week off. And that's not fair on anybody. Yeah. So Christian was born in uh, March 2013. And when he was one year old, I distinctly remember I was changing his nappy and I thought, I said to him, right, I'm going to open a second shop now. And so we found the second site in East Castle Street. Fantastic place. Perfect rent uh, ratio for me. One street back from Oxford Street. Rundown area, rundown location. The opportunity to regenerate and bring that location and that section of the street back to life. And so we opened in March 2015 when he was one year old. But... The success of Great Titchfield Street was great, and I'm fairly humble. I thought, yeah, this is going to kick off. It's going to be yeah. great. Caffeine, Fitzrovia, everyone knows who we are. It's going to be amazing. And it wasn't. It was very, very quiet. There was lots of building work going on in the area. There was scaffolding there. And it took a long time for East Castle Street to pick up to the level that I thought it would. In fact, it took four years. And again, I almost ran out of money. Yeah. And I don't want to go crowdfunding. I don't want to get private investors. I want to do this myself. I feel that's the best path for me. Yeah. So 2019, both shops, you may say gold mines, yep. or at least they're mines, yep. not, <laughs> yep. not gold. Uh, and then the pandemic came. Yeah. So that all hit. But at the same time, my always plan was let's build a second shop and then let's provide for the family. Yep. So that is for me, buying a house with the help of my wife, absolutely, and her family and everything else, not just me, renovate that house, make sure my family are safe and secure from my wife's point of view as well, and then we'll see where we are. And effectively, that's the point we're at now. Okay. I've got the two shops. Yep. We're doing okay. I've got the house, the family's safe, the family's happy. Potentially now we can start looking for that third place. Tell us about localness. Is it important to your business? Oh, yeah, it's incredibly important. And, and that's one of the reasons that we chose that area. I always wanted to have the demographic of fashion, media, design, and advertising people, rather than maybe being in the city or being in the suburbs. But I think really being a part of that community and, and a part of that area is hugely important. It's another reason why I wanted to open a second shop in that area. Um, I've been complimented as being the king of Fitzrovia for that, which is a lovely compliment. So this sense of localness, is there any techniques or any, any aspects of your business you focus on to make sure that you appeal to the local audience or stay connected to the local audience that you have around you? Oh, I think absolutely. But it's, for me, it's the factor that we use for everything. It's the primary driving force of my business is hospitality is looking after people, is making them feel welcome, is making sure that they feel better when they leave than they did when they arrived. And you're doing that for people within the local area. And I work very hard to try and make sure I have a good continuation of staff in terms of long-term staff members, and we do that very well. And you know, people from the local area come in once, twice, sometimes three times a day. 
So you're having 20 second, 10 second, 30 second conversations with them, making connections. And that's really important too, I think, is making someone feel yeah. they are part of something. And that's a, that's a business thing too. You want people to not think about having to change their habits and go somewhere else. You want them to feel connected in a relationship mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. And for me, that's an important part of my role is to be able to say hello to people and shake their hand and thank them for coming and create that connection. You obviously do that very well. How do you build a team that's going to do that when you're not there? Uh, we employ them in the first place. Okay. Uh, um, so <laughs> you, need to, you need to find the right people to do that and you reject the ones who you think they cannot. But also from the very start of the recruitment process, you make it very apparent that this is a hospitality business and, and that's what we do. You know, we're here for hospitality. Um, and when I say recruit people who do that, some people in their CVs will put down, for example, their coffee experience. And then you get on the phone like, oh yeah, I worked as a waiter, I worked as a bar person, I worked as this, I worked as that. I'm like, why didn't you put that on your CV? Oh, I didn't think it was relevant. Yeah. But it's incredibly relevant because I can, you work in hospitality and you've worked all these different jobs. Yeah. And yeah, that, but come and work for me, please. Yeah. Yeah. Because you enjoy looking after people. There's nothing worse than going somewhere and being miserable or not having someone who wants to be there. That's awful. And so that's, that's a hugely important part of, of doing that is making sure hospitality is part of that key process. Any key questions you ask when you're interviewing to, to find that hospitality person? Uh, no, I wouldn't say there's key questions. I think it's more in, um, it's also very important to try and find someone who's going to fit in with the team. We, we're making five or 600 coffees a day on a weekday. There's five people working behind the bar in a very tight space. You're working 40 to 45 hours a week with people. You need to find someone who's going to fit in with that team first and foremost and not create fiction. So you, you try and just have a nice conversation with them and have a chat to them. I've had a number of interviewees say to me, no one's ever interviewed me like you before. And are just having these conversations and yeah. asking the questions and trying to find out about the person. Yeah. Because that's really important, you know. Yeah. Um, you're starting a relationship with a person and you want to make sure. And also, I really, really try hard to show respect, from, uh, prove respect to them from the very start, that you respect them and you respect who they are, but also that you expect respect back. Let's now talk about local competition. Do you worry about your local competition? I don't massively worry about it. But at the same time, it also drives me and my employees, especially my key staff members, to work harder mm. and to beat them. Mm. If you're just the lone runner in a race consistently, all you do yeah. is beat yourself. Yeah. You know? But when you have people racing against you, then you're going to hopefully start pushing yourself to get even better and, mm. and do it even harder. But at the same time, it's also really good to have that competition in the area because mm. it's bringing more focus on the mm. area and more people into the area. You know, if you get an article saying Fitzrovia is the place to go for coffee because you have this place, this place, this place, this place, mm. which used to happen, that's still a positive thing mm. for us to have too. And just any kind of wonderful stories of that sort of sense of local spirit or community spirit that you have observed over your time of being a coffee shop. There's a story about the lady who, who's a writer for a newspaper or something like that. And, and she came in and, and basically she did her pregnancy test 
in the toilet of caffeine wow. and found out she was pregnant. And then she's written stories about it. And that was oh. one of the, she came out of the bathroom and sat down with her husband and, and said, oh, yeah, oh, we're pregnant and this is amazing. And got the twins, two young ladies who are Swedish, and they come two or three times a day and they sit out the front for the last 12 years. Mm. They work in hospitality and they just sit out the front and chat, chat, chat to themselves. And they're a huge part of our business. They're just a lovely part of it. The, and they live locally. I don't think I really realize how important the coffee shop is to a local area mm. and how important that is to the thread of the community and the well-being of the community. That's a huge responsibility to have and a huge honor. One final question. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? A lot of them relate back to some fellow called James Hoffman, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> uh, he said, you want to be the best coffee shop in your area. Mm-hmm. Just focus on that because that's where your locals are. And then we talk about localness and community. You focus on being the best in your area, you're going to do very well. And that's where they're all going to come from. So August 2009, I focused on that. And then very luckily in February 2010, I was awarded best independent coffee shop in Europe. And so then I thought to myself, well, that's now my goal. Yeah. I always want to be regarded as one of the best coffee shops in Europe. And if we are, then we're going to be the best in the area as well. Okay. So I know I can achieve that. Um, and that's what I also say to new employees who are coming on. And I say to them, I want to do that for my mum back home in Australia, uh, for my children and my wife. I want to do it for the customers. And I also want to do it for you who are working here for you to be able to say you work at one of the best coffee shops in the UK. And when you say that, people will hopefully recognize that and respect you. And I think that's hugely important. Well, that's absolutely great to have you here in the studio, Peter. You're welcome. I've always been really impressed by Peter and his diligent and caring approach to managing his business. And to reiterate an excellent insight he shared, Fostering strong engagement between staff and customers is the key to building local customer loyalty. And Peter achieves this by hiring staff who care about delivering great hospitality first and foremost. And now we speak with Danny Reed and Agnes Potter of Potter and Reed, a stone's throw from East London's Spitalfield Market. Danny and Agnes met 12 years ago while working at the iconic All Press launch location on Redchurch Street. They opened Potter and Reed during the pandemic, bringing together Danny's sales and barista training skills and Agnes's HR and management experience. Welcome. Hi, Jeffrey. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Hello. So to start off, tell me about the vision behind Potter and Reed. I mean, the vision was a neighborhood cafe done really, really well. I mean, we talk about our days in Red Shirt Street together and it was so much fun and I think then when you watch other people do it, you're then thinking like, man, like we could do it so well. Yeah. And we wanted it to look beautiful, timeless, but most importantly, we wanted to build like this social hub for our community serving just incredible coffee and food. It sounds obvious, but it's actually not that easy to come across in London. Mm. I think, you know, obviously um, watching and being part of so many people opening cafes Mm. was a big factor, you know, that that sort of piqued our interest in terms of wanting to do it ourselves. And, you know, we obviously both have a lot of experience Mm. in hospitality as well. So it was sort of about giving it a go. And then during COVID, you know, we had a bit of downtime and time to think about what we wanted to do, like so many people did Mm. at that time. 
I actually left my job at the time yeah. and we were sitting on my balcony and I was like, what do I do? What do we do? <laughs> and Agnes was like, let's just do it. Yeah. This is our only chance. Yeah. Come on, come back to all press, work on the floor and as a manager, just to get used to it back on the floor yeah. and then let's just do it. And we did. Well, today's topic is about a little local and, you know, everything I hear about your place is really is one of those cherished little locals in East London. How do you build a local community? We were really lucky. We had a little head start with this where we opened in an area where we already had a network of people. You know, I'm still serving the same people that I served at All Press 12 years ago. Mm. Like Sandra at the Golden Heart, she's incredible. And I ran in as soon as we opened and said, come down, please. And she couldn't believe it. And I think every regular is essential. And then your bread and butter. And it sounds easy, but it's just being super friendly, going above and beyond. You know, we watched Gilbert and George walk past at the cafe every day and it was our goal to get them in. You know, I'd run out and like pretend I'm brooming on the street. and yeah. <laughs> Hello, like morning. And, yeah. you know, and finally after that, yeah. continuous. Um, yeah, they came in. They're regulars. There's quite a touristy crowd around where we are in Spitterfields. Yeah. Obviously a big influx of people that come to work there every day and tourists but yeah, I think, you know, in terms of attracting the regulars, initially it's word of mouth and it's one at a time. Some of our first customers, though, were, you know, other hospitality operators on the street. So there's a couple of fantastic restaurants near us. They were the ones that were sort of the first people to come in before a shift, yeah. um, caffeinate and have their staff meetings. Yeah. And then they spread the word for us as well. So and how do you build that sense of community? I mean, obviously being friendly to get them in, but keeping them, keeping customers, being loyal to you. Consistency is a good one. Like being that consistent, always open, always serving impeccable coffee and amazing food and everyone relies on you. The hygiene factors of running a business are important for regulars, maintaining opening hours, making sure your space is set up and comfortable and clean and tidy, making sure you know your staff are really well trained so that they get the same experience every time they come in. And then on the flip side of that, I think variety is also really important mm. for your regular customers because you want to have something to talk to them about. And, you know, we have a menu that changes on a weekly basis. So we've always got something to talk about. We have a filter coffee offering, you know, where we bring in really interesting coffees for, for people to taste. And for the most part, that's a big conversation with the regular customer. Mm. We know them on a personal level. Yeah. You know, you're not just talking about coffee, food. You're talking about people's lives, what they're up to on the weekend, traveling. Anything you've changed in your approach since you first opened? It was tricky, you know, it was a slow start, but I think mm. when you're a, a cafe off the beaten track like we are, that's why your regular customers are so important because it's that conversion one at a time of people coming through the doors and maintaining that customer base. Mm. And then it gradually grows. As long as you stick to your guns, you know, you stick to doing what you know and delivering with enthusiasm and engaging with people, then I don't think there's any reason why you wouldn't see growth. Yeah. 
unless there's another pandemic. Any inspiring stories, heartwarming stories of that spirit of localness in the cafe? Where we are, um, we're behind a huge community housing estate and there is an amazing Bangladeshi woman who basically runs the food bank at Toynbee Hall and we work with her sometimes donating some food and she takes the coffee and coffee grounds and then puts it in the community garden and, yeah, working with her, that's quite, yeah, a heartfelt story and feel good giving back to the community Engaging with everyone in our community, you know, they don't necessarily have to be customers. Um, Mm. I think that's important, you know, local businesses, local people who live in the area. Mm. It's not limited to people who come through the doors and pay for a cup of coffee. That's pretty important to us. The role of staff in creating community. What's the thought process in hiring staff? Our staff are everything and, you know, we're incredibly lucky to have the group of people that we do have. You know, it's a consideration in recruitment in terms of the right kind of people who gel with our customers. But we also set really clear expectations for our team around the experience we want customers to have. You know, small things from making sure that every single person who walks through the door gets a greeting. You know, you always say a farewell to people as well. But yeah, going above and beyond is the status quo for us. You know, whether that's, you know, looking up a local restaurant that they can go and eat at that night if they're a tourist who's visiting or running a plate of food to the guys at the local pub because they can't get off their shift. That's where we set the bar. Yeah. But yeah, our team are critical in making sure that the environment is a fun one for them so that they are happy and engaged And then they will, of course, deliver a better experience for customers. As well, I think sharing the same love for coffee and food and wine as us, because the way you express to your customers and talk about it is a different thing when you're interested and you share the same love for it. So what does the future for Potter and Reed look like? Yeah, I mean, business has been, yeah, steady. But I'm not going to beat around the bush. It's been it's been tough. But, yeah. you know, just with cost of living crisis, electricity and supplier increase, we do like talk constantly about, you know, another site or catering as well has become a thing for us. And I think we're so lucky. We have such a great team mm-hmm. who have been with us for most like a year. Yeah. Eleni, our head chef, she's incredible. She's been with us right from the start. So I think fostering that and then thinking about the next phases. We definitely do have plans to grow a bit. Yeah, we're just not 100% sure what that looks like yet. And I think, you know, we have a little bit more of a sort of path to go with the current cafe to get it into really good shape. But yeah, we definitely want to look at doing something else. Sounds like there's lots of magic happening in your little local. Thanks so much for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thanks for having us. It's been great chatting. Yeah, thanks, Jeffrey. That was great. Danny and Agnes echoed many of Peter Dorsmith's points, but also offered excellent insights, such as the importance of finding the balance between consistency and novelty. Pot and Reed creates novelty by frequently adding new menu items, thereby giving staff opportunities to surprise and delight its regulars. But equally, they focus on delivering consistency when it comes to the quality of service, opening hours, and cleanliness. This is a powerful combination and no doubt contributes to their cafe's local popularity. 
Finally, we close off this episode by speaking with Kim Hargraves, founder of Bocky Coffee, a London coffee shop concept opened in 2015. Welcome, Kim. Morning, Jeffrey. How are you? Great. Well, I wonder if you give us a little background on your journey into coffee. My first ever job I did was a KP in a little bistro. So I got a sort of first-hand experience of what it was like for someone else running a little family business. That kind of put me off the whole thing for a while. <laughs> and then many years later, um, a friend of mine got me a job as a runner for a post-production company in Soho. And I went from there into sort of bar management, pub management, because I was young. That was a fun way to go. But I always had that interest in coffee. And a few years later, I went to visit family who live in Sydney. They took me to a coffee shop on my first day. I had a little piccolo latte, then I had a flat white, then I had an espresso, and it was like nothing I'd ever had before in the UK. That was probably 2006, something like that. And that really, you know, set off my interest in why isn't the coffee this good at home? So a few years later, I decided to move to Sydney. So I went over there, my CV in hand, uh, applied as a barista. And the first question I'd always get asked would be, okay, make us a coffee. And within 30 seconds, it would be step away from the machine. <laughs> <laughs> so I peddled my wares around Sydney and finally found a very nice owner. She liked me, so she gave me a chance. So I started off there working on the till because that was all I was allowed to do. <laughs> and then I did my barista training with Allpress. Learned a lot, you know, fascinating, incredible company out there. After about three months, I was allowed to cover the barista when they went on their lunch break, so I could do a 30-minute slot. After about six months, I was allowed to do an afternoon shift, not a morning shift. Incredible place. It felt like opening the doors in the morning or closing the doors at the night, there was just hordes of people waiting to come in. You know, I've never really experienced anything like it before. It's my dream to have shops that are that busy and that successful. And then I understand you came back to the UK, created Bocky in 2015. Your first site was a hotel lobby pop-up in West London, and then you moved to Seven Dials in Covent Garden, and most recently, you opened up in Box Park near Wembley Stadium. Tell me, how do you build an engaged local audience in a commercial location like your Box Park site? I think, for me, the answer is people. You know, you can have great coffee, you can have fast service, but unless you have really engaging, open, you know, kind, communicative people working there, you're not going to get that vibe across to people. And then over the years, we've hired great managers there. We have a fantastic couple who are husband and wife who manage the place and manage to not kill each other in the process. <laughs> but they, you know, they really lead with that ethos, which I think is, you know, really the building block of hospitality is, you know, are you welcoming? Do you have an open mind? You know, do you treat people with kindness? Do you treat people the way you'd want to be treated? You know, that's really it. You know, we've really hammered that. And over the years, we've hired some people who have all the skills, but they don't have those skills. And I think, you know, you really, it's something that's almost impossible to teach someone. You can teach skills, you can teach barista skills. I'm a good example of that in my experience in Sydney, but you can't teach personality. So we always hire people first and then skills come later. And thankfully, we've got a great team there and that. That, to me, is the difference. And now you've recently opened your second site. Tell me about that. So the second site is in a huge serviced office building in Aldgate, uh, One Cree Church Place. So we're in there with Howden UK, who are one of the 
world's biggest insurers. They've taken over nine floors of this building and counting, and they are very forward-thinking, very ambitious company. They wanted to bring the specialty coffee, artisanal coffee space into their offices. You know, initially we were told it was going to be a sort of little kiosk with two baristas. It's now expanded and evolved into almost one entire floor of the building, which is an all-day coffee space serving a la carte breakfast, serving lunch, and then it morphs into an event space and a bar in the evenings with this huge, beautiful terrace where you're overlooking you know, the Gherkin and you can see down to Tower Bridge. It's an incredible space. And then we're also expanding to other floors of the building because these people just can't get enough coffee in their system, right. I think. So that has become an absolute beast that, yeah. you know, is a huge operation, but fantastic and, you know, fantastic company to work for. In essence, you're the little local for these guys in their office each and every day. Exactly. And that's the same challenge on a much different scale is, you know, you're bang in the heart of the city of London. There's fantastic places you could go for coffee or lunch every day. And we want to keep those people in-house. So we've got to, again, lead with people, lead with personality, make sure that, you know, that returning customer, we want them to return three, four, five times a day. Could you give me an example of what ideal customer engagement looks like for you? It's always got to start with the very basics, which are, you know, eye contact. Yeah. A welcoming smile, you know, asking the questions. It comes in with that key of emotional intelligence as well. You know, can you read if someone is having a bad day? Maybe they don't yeah. want to talk. Maybe they're in a rush. Maybe they're on their phone and you just need to leave that person alone. So, yeah, to me, you know, if I walk into any new coffee shop, I want to feel welcomed. Yeah. You know, I want to feel like I'm valued there, like I'm not just taking up space. Sometimes I might not want to talk, but if someone engages with me, you know, ask a question as simple mm -hmm. as how's your day going? How's your week going? What are you up to today? Those kind of things. And then the key when you're in that office environment where we're seeing the same customers every day is to then remember and start collecting this information. So then it's not just the same, how are you today? It's, you know, oh, how was your daughter's race on the weekend? Right. You know, remembering these little tidbits yeah. is really key when you're seeing the same person. 10 times a day. <laughs> and what about remembering the names of customers? Names of customers is very important, very difficult, I yeah. remember. But it's something you actually, if you concentrate on, you can pick up quite yeah. quickly. In one of the pubs, I spent some time working for Weatherspoons many, many years ago. And one of the challenges there was they would give you a sheet and say, we want you to write down 100 customers' names and their favorite drink. And I looked at that and I said, absolutely no way am I going to be able to do this. And within a week, I had the whole sheet filled out. Because right. if you actually ask someone, particularly if it's someone you're seeing every day, yeah. you know, four, five, six times a week, yeah. you will remember that. And if you start yeah. to really focus on that information, you can retain it quite easily. What does business growth mean to you? The number one question people I meet, friends and family always ask me is, are you opening more shops? Or when are you opening more shops? And I like to think of it more in terms of your sort of personal growth. Mm. So in order for us to grow as a business, I think, you know, are we getting better every day? Are we growing as a team? Are we learning from our previous mistakes, of which we've made many? And have we achieved what we set out to achieve with these spaces yet? And then I think, you know, are we having fun? 
You know, mm. is our culture good? Is our atmosphere good? Are our staff happy? Do they like coming to work? And unless it's a hard yes to all of those questions, then, you know, I think why continually feel like you have to push growth? What tips would you give to some someone starting out today to acquire and, and to maintain the loyalty of their local customers? I think you've got to really understand where you are. You've got to understand your local area. You've got to really do your due diligence on who lives there, what are the businesses are there, when your customers are going to come, where they're going to come from. And then you've got to, even in the most central parts of central London, people still live there. There's residents who live everywhere. You might think, oh, that's silly. No, they live everywhere. And those people want to feel, you know, if there's a new cafe opening up on their street, they want to feel welcomed and, you know, that that's a new place they can come to and become part of their local sort of family. So you've got to know that. You've got to know when your busy times are, when your quiet times are, and try and make sure you're filling, you know, any quiet times, any quiet days of the week with these local residents, local residents groups, you know, anyone who would benefit from the space. And then it's about people, you know, it's about getting the right staff in there who really want to build that and want to come on that journey with you and with your customers. And if you do that right, and then if you deliver on the quality of your products, you know, if you say you're serving great specialty coffee, if you're serving it exactly as your customers want it, and it's at that right price point and everything's going good, you know, your customers then, your local customers will become the champions of your business. And they're the ones who will then go out and tell their friends and their families and their business contacts, and they will start bringing people in for you and they will start doing the job for you. And that's when the magic has happened and keeps happening. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> and good luck. Great. Well, Kim, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Great. Thanks, Jeffrey. It was fascinating to hear Kim's approach to building local community. He's proving that you can build communities within commercial locations. His staff remember their customers' names and favorite drinks. And he works hard to find local residents nearby to fill the space during quieter times. Reflecting on everything we've heard today, the core ingredients of a thriving neighborhood coffee shop are, of course, the combination of great coffee and food. But more importantly, the little local cafe must be a welcoming environment. And for this, successful operators hire people people to deliver that true hospitality because they see each and every customer interaction as an opportunity to deepen a relationship with their customers. And once that happens, community magic takes over. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to The Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. If you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly coffee dose, our newsletter collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song, in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project, is Goddess by MJ Ultra. And until next time, stay safe, stay caffeinated, and stay local. Goddess alive.
For me, good love and ecstasy. Give you the best of me, hold you down, set you free. What you want from me, good love and ecstasy. Give you the best of me, hold you down, set you free. What you want from me? 